Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferrans. Another breakthrough ruling from the National Labor Relations Board. How about this? A union election planned for the men's basketball team at Dartmouth. Today on the show, we check in with the Teamsters in Fort Worth, Texas, and the driving force behind the North Coast Labor Federation. Welcome to the Thursday, February 15th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. Rick Miedema will be our first guest on the show today. He serves as Secretary Treasurer of Teamsters Local 997, based in Fort Worth, Texas. Website Teamsters997.org. He's also the Principal Officer of the local. He's been a Teamster for about uh, 20 years, 8 years, as Secretary Treasurer and uh, that's part of the division representing the food processing area of the Teamsters. There's like about 18 or 19 divisions of the Teamsters. And I'll tell you, they got a struggle down there. The workers, about 420 of them. There's about 520 at the plant. Altogether, about 1,000 members at 997. They just took a strike vote about a week ago at Molson Coors Plant. This is a very profitable plant. And... Uh, Rick is quoted as saying, we're working to get back some respect in the workplace. The company has made record profits. In fact, they made record profits for like six years in a row. And he says it's time to give back the dignity and respect. And right now they're offering like 2%, which doesn't even get near the inflation rate in America today. And uh, hats off to the International Brotherhood of Teamsters because they... They just announced they're going to increase strike benefits to $1,000 per week if they decide to walk. So uh, Rich is going to run down the particulars of uh, what the workers would like to get and uh, the solidarity in 997. Davida Russell will be joining us later in the show. No stranger to America's workforce. She serves as a vice president of the North Coast Labor Federation. One of the proud sponsors of America's Workforce, but uh, this is one woman on the move. She is a councilwoman for the city of Cleveland Heights, Ohio, elected in 2019, getting the second highest vote of all the candidates. She's also the state president of the Coalition of Labor Union Women, better known as CLUE, vice president of the Ohio AFL-CIO, state executive board member, president of the Northeast Ohio District of the Ohio Association of Public School Employees, which is part of AFSCME Local 4. Oh, my God, listen to this. She's president of the Ohio Association of Public School Employees Local 744. She's had that position for 20 consecutive years. DeVita served nationally on President Clinton's Women's Roundtable of Greater Cleveland, and was invited to the White House on three separate occasions. She's been entered in several editions of Who's Who, including the 2019 edition of one of the most influential black women in Cleveland, celebrating African-American achievement. 
She also wrote, produced, and directed a union play called We May Be Getting Old, But We Ain't Dead Yet. (laughs) I love this woman. I absolutely love this woman. She graduated also from the George Meany National Labor College with a double major bachelor in labor studies and in union leadership and administration. And, you know, we celebrate Black History Month here on America's Workforce, talking about people, interviewing various black leaders, and she's at the top of my list, no doubt about that. She's a fireball, and she'll be joining us later in the show. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. The Dartmouth men's basketball team may not be headed for March Madness, but guess what? They're headed for something historic, a union election. A regional officer with the National Labor Relations Board ruled that the team's 15 players are employees of the school and therefore eligible to vote on whether to unionize. Well, the election is set to take place on March 5th. If a majority vote yes, the players would become the first unionized team in college sports. Kate Haskins. The team's six foot six forwards from Minneapolis. He said it's a great privilege to be able to do it. We hope it encourages other athletes across the country to take action. His introduction to labor organizing came about two years ago when he was working late nights in the campus snack bar. Other undergraduates working in campus dining launched a union campaign calling themselves the Student Worker Collective at Dartmouth. He says... I was kind of just listening, reading all about it, staying informed. Well, his interest surged as the students won their union election and then through collective bargaining, won COVID sick pay and raises. His wage went from $13.25 an hour to now as a supervisor just under $25 an hour, almost double. Well, that got him thinking about his basketball teammates and all the time they spend at practice watching film, lifting weights, and traveling to games on weekends. He says it's easily 30-plus hours a week. If he were paid for that time, he thought, he could quit the snack bar as well as his other campus job at the alumni desk and still have money to travel home during breaks and put gas in his car. So he started reading up on legal issues in college sports and talked to his teammates about what a union would give them, the right to bargain over not just pay but also health benefits. Basketball, he said, is a physical sport, so you know people get hurt. This year, we've had a lot more injuries than most years, said Haskins, who suffered labrum tears in his hip and shoulder. Even though the injuries happened during basketball games in practice, He says Dartmouth did not provide financial support for the additional medical costs. Last September, the 15 players on the men's basketball team came together and signed union authorization cards pledging their desire to join SEIU, the Service Employees, Local 560, which is the union that already represents some employees at Dartmouth. Haskins said, it's definitely different than the dining workers, but we definitely learned a lot just by watching them. Now, while Dartmouth didn't try to block the dining workers union, it is challenging the basketball players' efforts to organize. 
at a hearing at the labor board, this was in October, Dartmouth argued that the students, they're not employees of the college and that their primary focus is learning. The school noted that in line with the Ivy League, it does not give athletic scholarships and moreover, its basketball program does not generate revenue. The associate vice president for communication said, our guiding principle is that students are scholars first and athletes second. However, Laura Sachs, the regional director of the labor board overseeing the hearing, was not persuaded. She found that the basketball players do perform work that benefits Dartmouth and that the school exercises a lot of control over that work. Hallmarks of what she said is an employer-employee relationship. So, just last week, Sachs ruled that the 15 players could go forward with a union election. Now, no surprise here, Dartmouth says it will appeal the ruling and has until next week, Tuesday, next Tuesday, February 20th, to do so. Regardless of that, the union election can go forward. Haskins, who wasn't expecting such a turn of events, says he's excited about what's ahead. He said, it's a good thing I was on top of all my schoolwork. <laughs> this is a great story. It's in so many different ways. I mean, you're, you're taking on a giant institution, Dartmouth College, okay? And, I mean, think about how much money they have collected from donors over the years, endowments, and... Uh, and this is a big issue, too, in college sports. This is certainly one to watch because if it happens at one, it's going to happen in others, other athletes here. By the way, in a recent interview, the general counsel of the labor board, Jennifer Abruzzo, who comes from the CWA, spoke of plans to push the board to review several important rulings this year. Her goals include banning mandatory captive audience meetings, banning non-compete agreements, that restrain worker mobility and overturning a decision called ex cello, which allows damages for employers refusal to bargain in good faith. Boy, it's nice to have Jennifer Abruzzo as the general counsel of the NLRB. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to check in with the Teamsters in Fort Worth, Texas, trying to get a contract with Molson Coors back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Attention members of the Heat and Frost Insulators Union who are interested in traveling. Central Ohio has more construction projects on the books than anywhere in the U.S. Mega projects, large and medium-sized jobs are creating more work than our local 50 brothers and sisters can handle. Projects like Intel, the Honda LG battery plant, and multiple data centers for Facebook, Google and Amazon offer union wages, overtime, and a 
exciting incentives. Local 50 is seeking union travelers to meet the needs of its signatory contractors who can put you to work immediately. If you're a member in good standing and interested in the work opportunities in Central Ohio, visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF travel for more information. This is Brent Booker, General President of the Labor's International Union of North America. And we're a proud sponsor of America's Workforce, where workers feel the power every single day. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SBS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be a WF Union podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency. You could find more at UL Agency. .org. For our first guest on the show today, let's go down to uh, Fort Worth, Texas. And joining us on our live line is Richard Miedema. Richard is secretary treasurer of Teamsters Local 997. They have about 1,000 members there. And 420 of them work at Molson Coors. And uh, just recently, about a week ago, they voted to go on strike because the negotiations just don't seem to be bearing any results. Richard, welcome to America's Workforce. Did I pronounce your name correctly, sir? You got it. I go by I go by Rick. Rick? Okay. And I go yep. by Flash, by the way. It's, it's an that old radio thing. Okay, not a problem. Rick and Flash here on the show today. All right, uh, let's talk about what's going on here. And I see uh, you're the Secretary Treasurer. You've been a Teamster for 20 years, uh, eight years as a Secretary Treasurer. And... Uh, Talk to me about what's going on here. Uh, Molson Coors, I know, especially post-Super Bowl, I know beer is very, very profitable. There's no doubt about that. So uh, what's going on here, Rick? So we've been in talks uh, with, the, with the organization since November. Um, and, you know, their, their offers that they've thrown across the table to us have been less than uh, appetizing to my membership. Um, they've actually been a slap in the face you know, with current inflation and everything that's going on to being, to offer uh, less than 3% wage increases is just, it's just, uh, it's horrible. You know, I mean, people are struggling. We worked through the pandemic. We made them money during the pandemic. Um, we showed up, we put all the beer out we could get out and for them to come back now and and negotiations and offer, you know, 2% wage increases is just, it's, it's, it's horrible to the membership. 
And, and what are you pushing for right now? What would you like to see? <clears throat> well, there's a lot of things that we're trying to get back. You know, through the years, uh, the organization, we, we work with the unions. There are several different unions for, for Molson. Um, we're the only Teamster facility that's left. They shut down two of our sister facilities, one in 2016 in North Carolina and one in 2019 and into 20 out in uh, Irwindale, California. But there's also a couple of facilities that are UAW and one that's an IAM shop out in uh, Albany, Georgia. And, you know, through the years, we worked with the company when, when Miller, um, former Miller Brewery, had low sales and was getting destroyed by Anheuser-Busch. And we took uh, some concessions in those times um, to help the company stay afloat, to stay profitable. But now that Molson has purchased the rights to Miller, Molson Coors, and, you know, their fourth quarter earnings came out yesterday, um, day, yesterday, yeah, day before yesterday, I'm sorry, day before yesterday, and they boast about six years of profit growth in 2023 alone, it's time to give back to the workers. So we've been fighting to get some of those concessionary um, items back that we, we gave up, you know, since 2006 um, related to some, some 401K, um, 401k concessions, uh, some healthcare concessions, but it's time to give it time to get it back. Um, you know, the workers, like I said, are, 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 are making that money, making that uh, a company more money now hand over fist than they've ever seen since Molson Coors, um, became one conglomerate in 2005. And, and let me ask you this, you know, typically when the, the company asks for concessions and I remember this, especially with uh, talking to UAW brothers and sisters on the show, they'll say, you know what, you know, it's tough right now. The economy's not good. You got to take a pay cut. Uh, You got to pay a little more for your health care. But when things turn around, it's all going to come back. You're going to be okay. This is just a temporary thing. Rick, did that conversation happen? You know, some of the early ones, Flash, I wasn't a part of back going in 2006, 2000, 2009, when a lot of the uh, the big benefit items <clears throat> were given back. But you know, the the some of the some of the some of the the the, the latter ones, yeah, you know, it, it's it's help us out now. We need to stay afloat, you know. Mm-hmm. But but in the end, we'll come back and we'll we'll take care of you guys. We'll make it right. And you know, 2023. Let's, it's time to make it 2024. Now it's time to make it right because we've done everything that we can to help them out. And the workers are their 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 appetite is, is there. Um, they're hungry. And it's time for these greedy corporations to realize that who who feeds their pockets in the end. Um, it's, it's the workers pushing everything out to make them money and make them profits. And you say they're just offering like about 2% right now, which, which doesn't even make up for the inflation here that we know not even, not even remotely close. No, no. What about, what about healthcare and retirement benefits? Are you at Liberty to explain what they want to do there? So, well, they're wanting to do no change. And, you know, through the years, um, they incorporated a kind of a ladder system in the 401k uh, contributions to where if you've hired, and this is going back, you know, many years, but if you hired by this day, you get this benefit. If you hired after this day, you get this, this benefit, which is a lesser benefit. Uh, same with the vacation schedule. 
you know, if you hired it this day, you, you earned your six weeks in 10 years. If you hired it this day, well, you've got to work out here for 30 years to get your six weeks. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's just all at, at this point in time, it's, it's all absolutely ridiculous now. You know, when, like I said, they boasted last, um, last earnings for the fourth quarter were six years of profit growth for the, for the organization um, earned in 2023 alone related to uh, some of the missteps by Anheuser-Busch um, and their advertising. So, I mean, you know, for them to, for them now to pull their pockets out and cry broke is, it's just preposterous. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous. It's, it, it's, it's astonishing. And, and it's a, it's a shame. It's a shame that it'll end up having to come to this. So this strike vote, it, it happened just last week. Um, and I'm reading 93% voted to go on strike. Is that right? Yeah, they're, we're done. We're, we're, we're tired, you know, in, in Fort Worth, we're tired. Um, and we have the backing by the international, um, you know, and I don't know if you saw flash, but the international boasted or boosted a thousand dollars a week for Anheuser-Busch in the event that they do go on strike. I, I called, uh, uh, general president O'Brien and, and general secretary treasurer Zuckerman and asked for the same reciprocation for us, for our 400 members in the event that we do have to take uh, Molson Coors out. And they were, they were, uh, they were pleased to give us the exact same reciprocation that Anheuser Busch is getting. I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, I was reading on the Teamster website that those talks are. I mean, we're close to coming to an end, isn't it? Like the end of this month that they're talking about. Maybe you better you better do something at Anheuser Busch or we're gone. Something like that. Yeah, their expiration date is the last day of February for their um, their CBA. <clears throat> it's a master agreement with all twelve of the breweries under one contract, so they have a lot of leverage. Um, but if they do not get um, anywhere in negotiations by the end of the month, uh, they're going to, I, you know, dollar to a donut, they pull the plug as well. Yeah. And that's another co- a beer company, too, that's come back. I know they had some rough spots, uh, some missteps, as you put it, uh, last year. But uh, they're uh, coming back. And again, this is a very profitable business. It's very, very profitable. But they don't want to. They don't want to kind of spread it around to the workers. No, no. Now, no uh, the beer industry is very profitable. Now, now the workers. How, how? You know, obviously, you're very close to the membership. What What are they saying about this? Are they ready Ready to do this? Yeah, I, I've seen. You know, you know, in my in my twenty years, um, twelve of them as a as a member, as a steward, and then the last eight is the principal officer. This was the most fired up um, that I've seen them at a ratification meeting. And it was just, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was awesome. It was an awesome uh, to be there in the, in the moment. Um, but they, they're tired. They're, they're worn out. They're tired. And, you know, it's, it's time to prove them a point of, you know, the Teamsters are here and the Teamsters are going to get what they deserve. Time to pay up. Richard, you got it. Joining us on our live line today, Secretary Treasurer, Teamsters Local 997, about 1,000 members, 420 took a strike vote. 93% said we're walking if we don't get a boost in pay and help us out on health care and those retirement benefits. Davida Russell will be joining us later in the show on behalf of the North Coast Labor Federation. She's got quite a story to tell. Talk about one woman on the move. It's one you want to hear on America's Workforce. Back in a few minutes. Don't go away. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrans. 
It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L I U N A. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylights and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great iron worker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at Teamster.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the U.S., US Canada, Canada, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. Are you looking for a new health care partner for your union members? Let Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield be your champion, making sure your members live their healthiest lives now more than ever. It's important to have a partner you can trust, one who understands the unique challenges unions face. Anthem provides a variety of options to meet your organization's needs and helps you control costs without sacrificing quality of care. For more information, visit anthem.com slash labor and trust. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers, oh.aft.org is their website. Before we go back to Richard Miedema at Teamsters Local 997 in Fort Worth, i got to do a shout-out for our brothers and sisters at Teamsters Local 150 in Sacramento, California. After an almost two-year campaign, the members there successfully ratified their first collective bargaining agreement with Recology. It's a four-year deal covering customer service reps and delivers an immediate 14% wage boost and a 38% cumulative wage increase throughout the agreement's duration, along with enriched retirement benefits and enhanced seniority rights. Since the workers voted to join the Teamsters, which was two years ago, the management at Recology 
utilize every possible tactic to slow roll contract talks and try to bust the union. Notably, on two separate occasions, the company used false pretenses in a shameful attempt to decertify the union. Dale Wentz is the secretary treasurer, and he said, despite the company's best efforts, these workers kept their eye on the prize. This company used every stall tactic imaginable to prevent these workers from securing a first contract. I congratulate this group for keeping the company's feet to the fire, and I'm grateful to have helped this group achieve such a lucrative first contract. We're talking 1,800 workers at Recology Nationwide, and local 150 members were the first customer service reps to organize with the union. By the way, that uh, local represents about 11,000 workers in various industries across the Sacramento area. So congratulations, Teamsters Local 150. Let's go back to our live line in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Joining us today is Richard Miedema on behalf of Teamsters Local 997. And they got about 420 members that are ready to walk out. About 1,000 members in that local. Richard, you'd like to get that uh, 14% wage boost <laughs> with your members at Boston Court, wouldn't you? I'll, I'll tell you what, Flash, it would, uh, it would make things a lot better down here in Texas, to be honest with you. <laughs> No doubt about that. Where are we? Where are we with the negotiations right now? Because, I mean, they know you're ready to walk. Um, have, have they come saying, okay, well, okay, let, let's try to work this out? Has any of that happened yet? No. So so we took the strike vote on Sunday. Um, and as you know, we said in our earlier segment, it was 93% uh, in favor of the strike. So, uh, director, uh, we have a, a, a brewery bakery director, a brewery bakery soft drink division director, Jeff Padalero. He took our final offer back to the company again, um, and told them, "Look, you know, you, you didn't want to talk to the co- you didn't want to talk to the union. Now you're talking to me. Let's get this done. Um, otherwise, we're going to take you out." They basically uh, looked at his, looked at looked at him. Basically, told him the same thing. Um, they actually took off. Uh, our signing bonus that the company had on the table, they gave about 20 more cents in a wage increase and gave it back to him and said, you know, here you go, take that back to the union and see what they think. And he just, he just basically laughed in their face, told them a couple things that uh, probably don't want to repeat on the air and gave it back to me and said, you're free to do what you need. You're, you're free to do what you need to do now, brother, because you know, they're, they're just playing games at this point. Yeah. Well, doesn't uh, now this is Molson Coors, and I remember reading about Coors, which was I think based in Colorado for years, and they they were still are. So, so so their our main brewery is uh, not main brewery. Our largest brewery um, of the domestic breweries is in Golden, Colorado, and that's a, a former Coors facility. Now, aren't they notoriously anti union Coors? Yeah, so back in the, I believe in the 70s, they had a, they tried to get a union in there, um, and it led to some pretty, pretty significant brawls. Um, you know, it's a little bit before my time, but, um, in, and then I, you know, in, in, in more recent times, <clears throat> they have a facility or had a facility in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, that was a Coors facility, and Coors eventually shut that down. It was a unionized facility. That was about in 2006. It was a Teamster facility, and in 2006 they shut it down. We actually had several people transfer from that Memphis facility down to Fort Worth um, to be reemployed by uh, by Miller. 
It sounds to me, because they're playing hardball, it's like they don't even care if you walk out. Do you, you get that feeling? At this point, and it, it's sad uh, because our Fort Worth facility, uh, you know, last over the last year, year and a half, we implemented a new uh, $65 million uh, facility on the back part of our property that uh, we're the only facility in the, in the do- domestically or for the organization really in North America that has the ability to make variety packs. Um, and we're the main, this plant in Fort Worth is the main producer of the company's uh, hard seltzer lines. So if you've seen uh, Topo Chico hard seltzers, Vizzy hard seltzers, and uh, Simply Lemonade hard seltzers, they're all coming out of Fort Worth. And wow. when, we run that, uh, when we run that facility on the back half of the property, we save the company about $1.5 million a month uh, by us producing the facilities in-house versus them sending them off to a co-packer. And, hmm. you know, it, 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 $65 million, you can do the math. They'll have that thing paid off in, in, in 60, you know, about 60 months, a little bit less than 60 months. And it's just, it's just sad, you know, that they're, they're pushing the workers aside, throwing away money. We don't care about this. We don't care about that. Now, they'll have, now they may have to offsite all that production and get it done by a co-packer when, you know, they could just pay us, pay us a fair wage increase, pay us, fair, pay us a, a fair benefits package and get it and get it solved. Get, really? get back to the table, get back to work, you know? Yeah. 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 I know those seltzers are so darn popular, especially during the summertime, but. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, the Teamsters had a, had, well, all of labor had a wonderful year last year. I mean, almost a million people got double digit raises and look at the, you look at your, uh, Look at your brothers and sisters at UPS. I mean, that was what Sean O'Brien, and he was playing hardball. That's I tell, I tell, there's, a, there's a fire in his belly. There's no doubt about that. And uh, I, I, I got the feeling, too, this is spread all over. It, you, know, you, know, you know your members watch what happened last year, and I would imagine they're, they're ready. They're ready. That, that's kind of fired them up, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, the, the UPS um, negotiations. UAW negotiations—it's out there. The fire—the fire is in the labor movement, and it's just getting these greedy, greedy corporations to realize that if you don't come with a fair benefits package, a wage package, that we're going to do what we need to do. And like I said earlier, you know, we have the blessing by the international now that at any point um, we can pull the pull the plug. My executive board will be ready. We'll pull the plug, and we'll do what we need to do when the time is right for us. To your point, yes, the international has your back. They uh, increase the future strike benefits to $1,000 per week. Now, that's because you, you mentioned this in the first segment of the show, Anheuser-Busch, because they're ready to walk. They're, they're playing hardball there, and their contract comes up at the end of the month. What, uh, what were the benefits prior to that, Rick? So benefits is as set by the uh, IBQ Constitution are five times your dues rate. So whatever your dues rate is, um, you just multiply that by five. That's your that's your your strike benefit. So you know nobody nobody within our shop was was over uh, was was near a thousand dollars. So for the IBT to say hey you know we're, we're willing to make this whole for everybody, be able to throw a little bit extra bread and bread and lunch meat on the table, pay a couple you know pay the pay the, make sure the light bills paid off while we get this settled. It's a blessing to my members. It gave them it gave, it gives them a little bit more drive um, to do what we need to do. Uh, we also do have a supplementary strike fund at our local through the Ohio Conference of Teamsters, um, and it will pay them an additional $200 a week in the event that we do have to walk. All right, my friend. you got a lot on your plate. I'm going to let you go. Hang in there. 
I always tell this to uh, to those on the show. You got our you got a friend here on America's Workforce, and uh, it's important to hear workers' voices, to hear their struggles, and this is a struggle at, at 997, yeah. no yep. no doubt about it, no doubt about it. Teamsters997.com is a website to go to. Keep in touch, stay safe, stay strong, okay, brother? All right, Flash, I appreciate it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Davida Russell on behalf of the North Coast Labor Federation. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Lyuna. Find out what it takes for Lyuna to keep America running at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. Hey, this is Sean McGarvey, and I'm president of North America's Building Trades Unions, and I'm a proud listener of America's Workforce. I love this podcast. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the US, US, Canada, Canada, and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Well, as you know by now, we are celebrating Black History Month. And I'll tell you, I didn't have to go very far to find our next guest on the show. And she's certainly no stranger to America's workforce. This is a segment we do each and every month featuring the North Coast Labor Federation, one of our great sponsors, one of many sponsors here on America's Workforce. And Davida Russell is a vice president of the North Coast Labor Federation. She's also state president of the Coalition for Labor Union Women, vice president of the Ohio AFL-CIO, state executive board member and president 
of the Northeast Ohio District for the Ohio Association of Public School Employees, which is affiliated with ASME Local 4, and, again, Executive Secretary and Treasurer of the North Coast Area Labor Federation. There's more. There's more. But when you put all these positions together, DeVita represents more than 180,000 members across Ohio and 11,000 just in northeastern Ohio. And by the way, she is a school bus driver and a councilwoman for the city of Cleveland Heights. <laughs> Davida Russell, welcome back to uh, America's Workforce. And it, it's an honor to have you here. And it's, it's, it's also nice to see your smiley face. You know, we usually do these on the phone, but I know you're beaming. I, I wonder if some of that has to do with the uh, Travis Kelsey effect in Cleveland Heights. Uh, we, we could talk about that a little bit later. This is not a sports show. This is a union <laughs> show here. And uh, thanks for joining us here on America's Workforce. I have to ask you, how, how do you do all of this? <laughs> Many people ask me the same question, you know, and um, everything I do, it's not work. It's, I enjoy doing it, so it doesn't feel like work. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the flexibility of being a bus driver, which I really, really love, it gives me the opportunity to do a lot of things that most people couldn't do in a day because my day starts at 4 a.m., uh, picking up children about 6, 6.30. Uh, my day ends about 9, so most people are just getting to their offices at 9 o'clock. 930. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to make morning meetings up until about one o'clock. And uh, I go back to work and I drive the bus and I'm off about four, about five, 530. And uh, I'm able to make all evening meetings that I need to make during the, <laughs> during the evening. So it works pretty well. And then I'm off on Saturdays and Sundays and all holidays. So I get a chance to rest and break in between there. That's when you sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Sometime, other than the extra activities that I do. (laughs) Amazing. How long have you been uh, driving a school bus now? 42 years. Oh, my gosh. And what got you into that? Why? Why school bus driver? Well, uh, it was Reaganomics, actually. Uh, um, When I graduated out of high school, uh, my father was a um, foreman for General Motors. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were hiring something awful. And uh, so my dad came to me and he says, uh, my mom was like, you know, college, work, college, work, make your choice. When you graduate, you got to do one or two. You can't stay here without doing one. Right. So uh, I was going to go to college because I always wanted to be a school teacher. And uh, my father came and says, hey, General Motors hiring, you want to go to work? I said, what they're making. And when he told me what they were making, I said, forget college, I'm going to work. <laughs> <laughs> that union job was pretty good. That union job was really good. I think I started off at uh, age of um, 18, bringing home $500 a week. That was unheard of. Yeah, a lot unheard of money of. back then. Yes, yeah. Un- and getting paid every week. So uh-huh. I was like, college out the door, I'm going to work. So I went to work for General Motors until uh, 79 and Reaganomics hit. And all of the jobs started disappearing. Uh, Fisher Body closed up. Uh, I actually went to Columbus and worked there for General Motors for almost three years, off and on between being a school bus driver. And my mother was like, she was a school bus driver because uh, my father didn't really want her to work, but she wanted to do something. And it was very feasible to be a school bus driver and work around your kids because you're off the same time your kids are home. Right. And uh, so during her break time, she would come home, cook dinner, clean the house, and she'd go back to work. And then when we got off, she had time with us with homework and all that kind of stuff during the summer. 
she was home with us. So she was a perfect job for people who had children and wanted, you know, a motherhood. And um, so after Reaganomics hit, she was like, you don't have a job. You need to go to work somewhere. And I was like, well, I'm getting benefits from UAW. I don't want to cut those off yet. She's like, yeah, you need to cut them off. And you need to go to job and find you a job. And uh, she was working for the county. And uh, I went to pick her up one day from work. And she told her boss, she says, hey, my, my daughter wants a job. And I said, no, I don't. She said, yes, she do. She wants a job. So her boss says, here, gave me the paper, fill it out. So, you know, I'm being nice because my mother told me to fill it out. I filled it out when I came back to pick her up that evening. He says, you're hired to start on Monday. <laughs> did you connect right away? Did you did you like it with the kids and all? Well, you know, I was first I was afraid uh, because of the population. Um even though my mother uh, drove for MRDD, uh, she also uh, uh, kept them in our home. But um, we were kind of afraid, you know, of the population and then end up loving the population and just, you mm-hmm. know, going all over, all heads over heels for them. And um, so I ended up uh, working there and every two weeks I was quitting. And uh, because I made hundred. I brought home $150 every two weeks. I made $3.60 an hour versus $500 a week. Yeah. And every week, every payday, I was, I'm quitting this job. I'm quitting this job. And I quit that job every day by mouth and in, in my head. And I end up staying for 35 years. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Now, did you get involved in the union right away when you started driving? Well, I got involved um, maybe two or three years afterwards. Well, because my mother actually was uh, the person who organized the first uh, school bus driving union in Cuyahoga County okay. for uh, the county workers. And so she organized them and actually uh, got them to be a union. And uh, so when I started in 79, she was, she had just, she had been the first president, union president, and uh, she had just turned over her reign to someone else. And uh, when I became employed, about two years later, uh, I had some issues with uh, babysitting. Uh, had a, I just had a baby and uh, I needed a babysitter. And, you know, it's, too, it's not very, it's very few uh, daycare services that open at four in the morning. Oh yeah. And, uh, so when you can find them, they're very rare. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, uh, I actually found someone to watch my baby and, uh, they kept changing the time on me, the job every week they were changing my time because of the bus and everything that was going on. But it was a clause in the contract that you couldn't do that. And, uh, they kept moving it forward to saying, well, I need you to come this day, come this day. And so we end up getting into a little fight around um, my time at work. And uh, I end up uh, filing a grievance and um, fighting my own grievance uh, with my mother there. And uh, while I was fighting the grievance, uh, the county workers ran me for union president without me knowing it. And um, I actually lost by two votes. But you didn't know about it. <laughs> I didn't know about it. I didn't know about it. And they was like, wow, she is really fighting. She is definitely fighting. But I drove my car, uh, to, went to every uh, parent's house. I got letters to, so, so they can tell the, 
the job, you know, what type of driver I was. Uh, I told them about my car being stolen and all the issues and babysitting and all those type of things. And so I ended up winning my grievance. And um, I, two years later, I ended up being the president. I ended up being the president for almost 22 years consecutively. <laughs> it's an amazing story. The last time you and I talked, which was not long ago, I remember the conversation about Governor DeWine yes. appointing you to this, uh, well, it was a group to study school bus safety. Yes. And I'll tell you, if anybody knows about school buses, it's Davida <laughs> Russell. And uh, he came out with the report, and there was some discussion whether or not there should be seatbelts mm-hmm. on these buses. I don't know what your opinion is on that, but... How did you feel? I mean, that, first of all, that was pretty cool that he asked you. Yes. And uh, how did that go? How was that uh, relationship? Uh, first of all, I was very honored. I really was honored. I uh, was uh, recommended by several people, some senators, some uh, state reps, uh, unions, who recommended me for the position. And um, once I uh, accepted the position, they called at first and uh, they told me this was Governor Wine's office. I was like, yeah, right, okay. And uh, they said, no, this is definitely. And um, so they told me uh, I needed to, um, they needed to vet, it, vet me. And uh, I says, okay. They called back and they asked for my name, full name. And uh, I said, why, what's going on? They says, the governor's getting ready to announce in 15 minutes that you're going to be a part of the task force. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Will you accept? Yes, definitely. So, you know, it's just like any other committee you think, that it's a committee of fluff. You know, nothing's really going to happen or nothing's mm-hmm. really going to be done or yeah. they're really not going to dig into the real meat of the situation or the problems. And um, to my surprise, I was surprised. I was surprised that everyone among within the committee was very um, thoughtful. They were very, uh, they was very concerned about our job, you know, because it's easy to sit back and say what a bus driver should be doing or if a bus driver is doing the right thing or all of those different things. But they actually got a chance to see and hear the day to day of a bus driver and how everyone treats a bus driver, which is with total disrespect and how we fight every single day for just the respect that we need and deserve as being workers and dealing with the precious cargo that we transport every single day. Mm-hmm. You want respect? That's what unions are all about. I yes. mean, they fight for wages. They fight for respect on the job. They want to be treated fairly. That's yes. what it's all about. Yes. You have an incredible history here. And uh, I, I don't know. It's just amazing. What really drives DeVita Russell? I mean, you've been doing the, the school bus route for decades now. You're also, we didn't even touch on the job that you're doing for the city of Cleveland Heights mm-hmm. as a councilwoman, and I know you've done a lot over there. Um, what keeps you going? You know, I my motto is, if I wake up every day and I don't like what I'm doing, I should quit. And every day I wake up, I enjoy fighting for the rights of people and workers, my community, and I don't know nothing else. I've been doing it for so long. It just really makes me mad when I see someone being mistreated or community being mistreated or diversity not being applied or racism or uh, the fascists of just 
what's happening in our com- in our community and our government today, it really bothers me because uh, being a union leader for so many years, you know, I've been trained and and to be aware of things that are happening to people that should not be happening. And people just really want things to be fair. They just want an equal playing field. They don't want anybody to give them no handouts. They're not looking for handouts. They're looking for play a, a playing field that's equal, that everybody can accomplish and be the best they can be at it. And um, so I fight for that every day, every single day, every day. You know, Cleveland Heights is on the, uh, well, not just the national map, but the international map because of one individual by the name of Travis Kelsey. Yes. And uh, I tell you, I, I, <laughs> it's amazing how much he talks about growing up in Cleveland Heights. In fact, it's reported this week that uh, he said, coming from Cleveland Heights, it's a beautiful city, and you know that. Mm-hmm. It's a melting pot of all different ethnicities and social classes, and it's really shaped my understanding of accepting people. Not only that, but enjoying everyone else's cultures growing up. I can't thank Cleveland Heights enough for that. And outside of that, it's given me the desire and the love for life because of how happy I was as a kid. And then he talked about the school system, the community, and the families. It means everything to him. Those are great words. you got to be pretty darn proud. Very proud. <laughs> of your city. I mean, for him to say that, and he's saying this on the national stage. Very proud. Cleveland Heights is a wonderful city. It really is. And the community around Cleveland Heights is awesome. People really try their best. Now, we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. We're not perfect at all. But we aim and we try to look after each other and to be diligent about our city and to make sure our city is a wonderful city for everyone to be welcomed and want to live there and grow up. Well, Davida Russell, thank you so much. And I'm going to have to cut this interview because I know you got another job to attend to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Davida Russell, vice president of North Coast Labor Federation, one of the proud sponsors here on America's Workforce. And there's so many other jobs that she does. I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for joining us. And let's, uh, let's do this again, okay? Sure. Thank you, Flash. And that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up tomorrow, the latest from the American Legion and the Alliance for Retired Americans. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day that concludes another episode of the america's workforce radio podcast thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show america's workforce is a production of labor tools and bma media group find out more information online at labortools.com